Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me Alex Cabot and Ed Lambert. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. We're really excited to be here. Looking forward to this conversation today. Yep, definitely looking forward to it. You guys are best-selling finance authors, so you know everything about the market going on right now, especially the stock market. Uh, the S&P 500 has been kind of going down a lot lately. I keep reading in the news, took cryptocurrency along with it. Seems like tech stocks were going down. I want to rip the Band-Aid off here from two experts to tell me and all the listeners what the heck is going on in the market. <laughs> and, and, and what's going to happen next, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll look into our crystal balls, but we're certainly, uh, we're certainly excited to help and hopefully we can, you know, make this, uh, make this a good session for everybody who's taking the time to listen. So yeah. I, can, I can start it off here. So what, what we saw over the last three years, 2019, 20, and 21, the S&P 500 posted remarkably strong returns. Three straight years in a row of 20-plus you know, percent uh, annualized returns. That in and of itself is remarkable. Throw in a pandemic on top of it and have those three years in a row of returns. That is downright unbelievable. Now, of course, the government stimulated the economy in 2020 because, you know, we were Money dealing with goes a, burr. Yeah, we, printer mm -hmm. goes burr. We had, we had a man-made recession in 2020. So the government came in and, and look, the, the truth is if the government hadn't stepped in as aggressively as they had, we'd still be looking at probably double digit unemployment, tens of thousands of businesses closed, you know, people homeless. It would have been a disaster if they hadn't acted. So it is good that they did. So all that money started going into the market because people were investing it and buying and consuming and yes, yeah. right. That, that's, that that, that's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, we went from, you know, the lowest unemployment rate in the United States in 50 years to the highest in 75 years in a period of 60 days. Right. And so then we can, and then we came back to the yeah. lowest unemployment yeah. rate in 50 years, just a couple of years later. Yep. So we're, what we're looking at now is, is I think, just sort of the pendulum swinging back to where it should be. Um, you know, you imagine a pendulum swinging back and forth, an economic cycle. And, uh, you know, the, the pendulum swung pretty far to one direction when COVID first hit. And the government didn't just give that pendulum a little nudge back in the other direction. They strapped, strapped a rocket engine to it and <laughs> lit it. They really pushed it, it hard. And, and look, I, you know, I can't fault them for as aggressive as they were. Nobody really knew how severe this was going to be back in early 2020. But what we're seeing now, I think, is just that pendulum you know, coming back a little bit more to normal. Valuations are, you know, they were valuations for the S&P 500 were, were you know, 21 at the beginning of this year, which historically speaking is very high. Not, not insanely high, but, but high all the same. Uh, interest also, rates have started to come up and that's that's had an impact, too. So it's I don't think this is really a a systemic crisis or, you know, garden variety recession or bear market. I, I think this is just a return to a little, where a little pullback, a little retrace. Yeah, yeah. Think, 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 think about this. I, Jason. I, noticed I mean, they, a lot of people. The, they, sorry, go on. I was going to say a lot of people I noticed during this whole thing you you guys just described, there were a lot of winners, right? There were people that saw opportunities to achieve financial freedom, whether it was a gap in the market they noticed or some financial a stock or something, anything that they uh, saw that they could latch onto. And uh, with the uh, money you just mm -hmm. talked about that was injected into the system, these people had the opportunity to do that. How do you guys find uh, well, those uh, opportunities? Uh, That's uh, what I want to know. Honestly, Jason, over the two years, anybody who owned assets were, were, were the beneficiary of it, right? Home prices went through the roof. 
The broad stock market went through the roof. Asset prices exploded, right? And it's because $5 trillion were was essentially printed, right? So the Fed said to Congress, do as much stimulus as you need. You don't have to issue treasury bonds. We'll print the money. And that's what happened, right? So you have an excess of money, money that was created, went out in stimulus. The money doesn't just get spent once, Jason, right? It gets over spent and, yeah. and it gets over and over and over the velocity of the money, right? So everybody came out. People were able to get vaccinated early last year. Demand skyrocketed, right? And everybody had cash. And not only that, you know, this this you only live once sort of mentality came in, right? We were all locked up. And, you know, you think about, man, life is short. Life is delicate. When we get out, we're going to spend, right? So well, and this- that's just it. The spending eventually yeah. en- ended because people ran out of money. The government stopped it, it, printing money. That's and right. It, inflation it, 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 took it, it, over. Gas prices went exactly up. That's exactly right. That, so that, my that, question that, is, how mm-hmm. how did you guys did you what would you guys told the public mm-hmm. six months ago or whenever the stimulus ran out and say, hey, here's what you should be doing today to avoid any problems in the future? Because this is what everybody lost out. Right. Ninety nine percent of people lost out. In our view, and we, we, we're we not into market timing or anything of that sort, because one thing we know is that even when prices are higher than historical averages, like Alex talked about the P ratio of the S&P around 21 at the beginning of this year, it can run like that for a long time, Jason. You know, we remember back to the 90s and Greenspan is the irrational exuberant speech in December of 96, correct, Alex? Yeah, well, I think it was 96. Yeah. So he basically came out and said there's irrational exuberance in the stock market. And people look back on that speech and say Greenspan knew. He told us all the stock market was a bubble. You know, the S&P didn't peak until March of 2000. He said that in the, in late 96. Wow. It doubled. It doubled. After he said that yeah. before it peaked, right? So, it, you know. It, How do we get in on those deals? How do we predict that? always 2020. So <laughs> when we got in there early this year, yes, we knew valuations were high, right? But no, we did not know there was going to be the decline. Just like we, we didn't know that the stock market would go up a lot, you know, between late June and now. I mean, the return on the S&P 500 from late June to now is is, is pretty shocking. So, so to, tr- but so I, to, to answer your question, I, though, to, to I, answer I your question. Gonna, Alex, I want to oh, ask you something first. Yeah, actually, sure. Because he's yeah. triggering some emotions here from me. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> hindsight is the biggest bitch out there. And yeah. she <laughs> she loves beating on me and a lot of uh-huh. other people as well. So how do you invest without that emotion? And just give it, give me the layman's version. I, I, I'll give it to you straight. So for, the first step is to determine, you know, what your objectives are, what your time frame is, and what your own personal risk tolerance is. And the personal risk tolerance has two factors. There's the financial risk tolerance and the psychological risk tolerance. And those can be very different. Psychological risk tolerance tends to shift based on what the market's done in the last few months. You know, at the beginning of 2021, the market had done really well. Everybody was super aggressive. Everybody felt like they had this great risk tolerance and they, they could handle anything. Then the market drops 22%, 23%, whatever it was. And then, oh, no, I can't take risk. So that's kind of a fluid thing. So our, our method is, is not very sexy. It's not very exciting. And it's kind of boring. But you build the allocation that you believe is the most appropriate for, for those, th- those three things, your objectives, your time frame, and your risk tolerance. 
Now, that portfolio will have different components. If you're a young investor, you know, Ed and I are in our early 40s. We're pretty aggressive with our own investments. But if you're older, getting close to retirement, you're probably a little bit more conservative. Some of those assets at all times are going to be doing better than others. So at the end of 2021, stocks had done really well. Bonds and other investments hadn't. So you just hit the rebalance button. Take the stock profits, trim them off, deploy them into the fixed assets or the other things that haven't done quite as well. So you're now, so you're actually move, you're not just staying like, you know, some people get an IRA and there's just like, you know, S&P 500 and like a mm-hmm. couple of top winners in the blue chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that if you're if you're going to be a little bit more aggressive, you want to continually reevaluate re- re- what you have, what's performing. So you're actually almost being a broker in a sense, right? Isn't that what brokers do? For their I guess it, it, the the old fashioned way of of doing things was more individual stocks and and you know trying trying to pick winners so to speak. It's tough. You know, our objective our, our objective isn't to pick winners. And I in fact Ed and I both firmly believe that the market is extremely efficient and it is next to impossible to consistently pick winning securities yeah. or asset classes or anything. So when you you build an allocation, and this is a, just a basic example, you got two holdings in the asset allocation. You got stocks and bonds. So the stocks go up 10%, the bonds go up 5%. Now you have more exposure to stocks than you do to bonds because the stocks have gone up more. So you take the profits off the stocks, you put them into the bonds. Now you're back. Why do you 50, wait? Hold 50. on. Why do you do that? Because if as if you're, time if goes you're not on, performing, you're saying the bonds are going to catch up question. and. So, so, so here, I don't get that reason, part. Here, here's the reason why, Jason, right? It, it all comes down to time horizons, right? The longer the time horizon, the more aggressive you're going to be. And by aggressive, we mean a greater percentage of your assets and stocks, okay? So let's say you're around retirement age, theoretically, right? Say someone's 65 years old. Yeah, yeah. Let's say 65 years old, and it's determined that a reasonable investment allocation for you is 60% stocks and 40% bonds. The old 60-40, right? Your stocks over time will be much more volatile than your more conservative investments, right? They will also generate a higher rate of return. If you just let that thing ride... What's going to happen over time? You're going to you're going to turn around in two or three years. You're not going to be at sixty forty anymore. Mm. You'll be at seventy thirty, seventy five right. twenty five, right? So you have to especially as the market runs like it did the last couple of years, right? I see. Then so you you're have taking profits out. That's that you're whole saying: profits take profits. And you're rebalancing yeah. mm-hmm. back to your original target, right? Into something that more stable you. that will grow long term, guaranteed yes. versus a, a potentially yes, yes, maybe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and when there's a decline, you do the exact opposite, right? Okay. When prices are down, they're beaten up and people are afraid. Well, you move a little bit more money into the more aggressive part because your 60% stocks might be down to 50 or 55% stocks now, right? And the reason why that works is it forces you to stick with a discipline, one, and two, to buy low and sell high. Isn't that kind of like the objective of the whole thing? If you're good at it, yeah. Because a lot of people buy high and sell low. We're not market timing, though. We're not market timing. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's the key. Is is, is this part is we this part of your financial IQ mindset? Because I know you guys yeah. talk about your mindset that, that, in your that, books and stuff like that. Yeah, is this yeah, our, part our, of what that is? Our book is actually Mastering the Money Mind. That's what it's called. It, it, it's about the mindset, right? Because we we have a, a pretty good idea what a balanced portfolio is going to return on average over 10, 15, 20 years. The longer the time frame, the more predictable it is and the right. narrower the band of possible outcomes, right? But we also know if you look back at the last 40 years – 
roughly 30 have been positive and 10 have been negative, right? So in any given year, you go into that calendar year and you figure, all right, well, markets are efficient. The buyers and sellers are setting a price, right? And there's a 75% chance I'm going to make money this year, a 25% chance I won't. So what you need to do is make sure, one, you get those long-term averages right. and that you don't mess up. And two, that you know, you're taking advantage of market volatility and sometimes going against the grain. That's hard to do because a lot of people just want to hold and bear through the market and not have to deal with that volatility because it's just too scary to them to potentially the sell thing. at the wrong time. So and how do you guys, do you guys recommend people, you know, uh, invest in groups so that they can talk to each other? Do you think they should be, uh, you know, researching the market a little bit more deeply, understanding the mechanics of, because people don't know about macroeconomics or microeconomics. People don't study. I still don't understand, you know, why the inflation and the money printing and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and the bonds and the banks and all this stuff. I try to read about it. Just, I'm like, I still don't understand it. So if well, I, if I don't understand mm -hmm. it, other people don't understand it either. Well, so he, he, here's our shameless wrap, wrap pitch. it up for us. Yeah. Here's wrap our it, shameless pitch, not just for us, but for financial advisors in general. Right. It's the reason why our occupation exists, to really work closely with clients, to help them build good plans, and to, 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 to walk them through the difficulties that, that, that arise, the tough economies, the bad markets, so forth and so on, because this stuff is complex. You know, I agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. One, it takes a long time to be able to understand it, and two – even if you do, it's still difficult. having an objective third party to help cut yeah. through the emotional aspect of it, right? That's the toughest part, is, yeah. Is the key. So the, the idea, too, about investing in, in groups and, you know, like there was a whole thing at the beginning of 2021 with the meme stocks. You know, there was a right, whole Reddit group, right. Wall Street yep. Bets, and oh, these, yep. this, this. So the, the danger, the danger, in, the danger in groups mm -hmm. is you, you get you get two things. One of them is called group polarization, where if, if a group has a slight tilt one direction, you know, philosophically in the group, it will get worse and worse and it'll, it'll lean farther and farther to the direction they are. It works in politics. It works in everything. Uh, the other is groupthink where you get a, a large group of people and if one person puts forth an idea that seems plausible and nobody sees an immediate objection, there's a, there's an, there's this, this pervasion that says, okay, yeah, that seems reasonable. Like, yeah, that that's reasonable. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That there's, this is a good idea. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We should absolutely do it this way. And it's not always right. Uh, right. And, and that's a, that's a big danger. Well, speak, speaking in, of not being right, because uh, we got to wrap this up now, is I want to know the top three things that you should do to be right going forward in the market. So I want to hear top three things that you say to everybody. Here's what you should be doing to not make the mistakes. Do it the right way. You, you, want, me to get, you want me to do them, Ed? I, Go I got, ahead. I got, I got three good ones. Number one is a, a, a plan. You have to attack your finances with a plan. You can't just say, I, I want to focus on my investments first. You have to look at the entire picture. Investments are a tool to achieve the plan. They're not the end all be all of what you should be doing, managing your own money. Number two, emotional response to market volatility is perfectly normal. If you do not respond, emotionally speaking, to market gyrations, you're probably a sociopath. 
It is, it is, there's a part of our brain, I swear, it's true. There's a part of our brain called the amygdala that governs the fight or flight response. And we, we, we cannot control that response. Ed and I feel it. Everybody should feel it. That, that emotional response is normal. It is rational and it is biologically programmed. We can't avoid it. So don't get upset if you get upset. Got the it. key to that emotional response is not reacting to it. Recognize that you're anxious. Recognize that you feel that way, but say, this is a normal part of investing. I'm not going to panic. So approach it with, with, a, with a disinterested, kind of dispassionate attitude. You're more likely to be successful. So planning, remember that that emotional response is, is, uh, is normal. And number three, let the market do its thing. You know, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't try to control the market. We can't, you know, unless you, unless I buy, you it billions, goes down, I sell, yeah. it goes up. That happens unless you've got a, a few billion dollars <laughs> to swing in and out, you can't really affect really the price of, of the S and P 500. So, so just, uh, uh, if you have a good plan in place, if you're approaching it kind of unemotionally, the market will do its thing. And if you've done it right, if you've planned correctly, you're much more likely to meet your goals. Just don't Perfect. don't overreact to things. That's and that's what I would say. Love it. And Ed, last question: Where can people find you? Online, www.birchrunfinancial.com. That's B-I-R-C-H Run R-U-N Financial.com. Or you can call our office four eight four three nine five two one nine two. Perfect. And, Thanks, and guys. We, and we mean that too. If you, if if any of your listeners want to talk to us individually, Give we've had call. people call in. We've Absolutely. had people call in. They're We're happy, on podcast. Always happy to have a conversation. And don't forget, nothing in this video or podcast episode is financial advice, uh, as usual, because we got to be careful what people are learning from us. And as always, we will see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today. Please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.